as you settle into the sitting posture. Allowing your attention to come to rest quite naturally in the sensations of the breathing. Not looking for anything special or particular, but simply noticing as the sensations of this one breath arise by themselves, Feel how the beginning of the breath feels, connecting with the attention. And then simply noticing the different sensations as they come and go (coughs) until this in-breath fades away. Not needing or trying to do anything to change what's happening by itself. Noticing as the outbreath arises into the field of awareness. And then connecting the attention with that sensation. And again, noticing how the sensation that makes up the outbreath might rise and fall, change to something else. And again, quite naturally, it passes by itself. And though we're using the sensation of the breath or perhaps touch points in the body as an anchor, as a focusing point for our attention, as a relatively neutral experience to refresh, focus, and steady the mind and heart. At the same time, realizing there is no particular experience, including the breath, that is more important than any other experience. So as we rest with our attention in the present moment, that's enough. If in experiencing, feeling, and noting the breath, nothing much else arises in awareness, that's totally fine. Reconnect with this one breath. 
the totality of our life is present in this one breath. If various other experiences arise so that the attention is already knowing that that experience is happening. It's not really even a choice. In that moment, we acknowledge what has already become the predominant experience. Acknowledge it by really sinking the attention into it, this non-superficial quality of mindfulness. And helpful to label what is arising. It's a sensation, tingling, vibrating, burning, coldness. Sinking into it, becoming one with this sensation, with attention, and noticing what happens as we're present with this experience. Without trying to manipulate, change, figure out, explain, simply being with what is happening by itself because that is the truth of this moment. Gets more intense, changes into something else, fades away, or something else arises and becomes more predominant. Similarly, attention might be called by hearing, by emotions, states of mind, strong patterns of thought. No one of these experiences is what we're looking for. We're not looking for anything. You simply notice and be fully present with whatever it is that's presenting itself. Noticing sadness, sadness. Noticing if there's physical sensations that comprise a part of this experience. A heaviness, tightness, burning. If there's a mental component, thinking, thinking. In strong patterns of thought, helpful to note if possible, if it's immediately apparent, 
a particular type of thought. Planning, remembering, relationship tape. If there's a feeling that's arising, an emotion accompanying or feeding the repetitive thoughts, when you're aware of that in that moment, notice, label, and feel that. Everyone's experience will vary so widely. Sometimes it might be very turbulent, like storms blowing across. Strong emotions that seem to carry us away, lost in long trains of thought. At that time, the attention will not be very microscopic and fine-pointed. Not to struggle with this, to notice what's actually happening. Feeling and labeling the emotions. When we wake up in a long train of thought, in that moment of waking up, mindfulness is present. Noticing what's happening right then, that's all we need to do. What's past is over. Only the present exists. Sometimes things are more quiet. Not much seems to be happening. We don't need to make something happen. Reconnect the feeling of this one breath. Noticing the arising and passing of the smaller sensations. At this time, it's easier to become aware of intentions before movements, especially large movements. That feeling of about to, before you shift position, before you open your eyes, before you reach or stand up or turn, Learning how to rest with acceptance and fullness of presence in whatever is presenting itself right now as life. We feel a sense of struggle or conflict, noticing that. That's predominant in this moment. It's almost always a signal that there's something happening right now that we're not seeing 
or not accepting? What is it? It's the struggle itself that's keeping us from resting in the truth, not what's happening that we're struggling against. So no hierarchy, but using the tool of breath or touch points in body for anchoring, for grounding, whenever the energy feels too dispersed or we're confused and can't tell what's predominant or not much is happening, or we just feel intuitively it's skillful to calm and refresh the mind and heart a bit. Well, see if you can be with the experience of just hearing. Noticing the difference between hearing, pleasant or unpleasant, thinking, reacting. All are okay. Each is a different experience. In hearing, there's that receptive yet alert quality of mindfulness. It's easy to, easier to get a feel for it in hearing. That same receptive and alert quality of attention. Perhaps you'll note the intention before you shift position. Feeling the sensations in your body as you move your legs, your arms, your backs. questions about any of the instructions or what's happening for you in any part of the day? Um, the difference between using as an anchor the tip of your nose or your stomach. Um, I used to use the nose before I started using the stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was working with it but it was difficult because there were a lot of sensations in that area between food and stomach and tenseness and that. Uh-huh. And I found that it wasn't that restful. Yeah, it doesn't sound too restful. <laughs> uh-huh. And I stayed with it, but I'm wondering whether 
if the purpose, I guess last night in the talk, if the purpose is to be restful, then is it maybe a better decision to do something else? Could you all hear her question? Yeah. Um, yeah, one of the purposes is to be restful, to have the anchor be relatively neutral. Because if every time that you come back to the breath or the touch point, it's involved with all kinds of difficult emotional or physical sensations, then that means you're in the middle of it, of the fire the whole time. So it, it is helpful to have a more neutral place. What, what prompted you to move to the abdomen in the first place? Uh-huh. Just experimenting. Sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I say it's definitely good to give it a period of time to try. But if you feel it clearly enough at the nose, and it's not so involved with a lot of other stuff, I would say try that, yeah. yeah. Darting is not going to shoot in so fast. That's very just the way you put the question is kind of the answers in it. The mind wants to pay attention to it, but it just is very quick and comes and goes. So that the answer, if what's happening is that it's very quick, it's coming and going. You're noticing that the mind wants it to hang around. Let's really investigate this. But I want to get to the bottom of fear now. You know, but What's really happening is what we rest with, what we pay attention to. I've experienced that myself with fear. You know, I kept waiting for this big fear to come so I could really get to the bottom of it. You know, I've been waiting 20 years. And it's like, you know, all the time. So I was starting to say, oh, that's what, that's how I experience fear in this own you know, and really to, as soon as you notice that, note it, feel it, but notice without trying to change it or hold on to it in any way. And if it goes, it goes. Notice its dissolution and notice what arises in the next experience. And you really, the understanding of the whole gestalt, what's the conditions that lead to the arisal of fear, what happens when the fear comes? What condition? What does the fear condition to arise in the next moment? You know, we can learn a lot psychologically and also on a more on a more absolute level by letting it come and go and just being there for it. It's a really good question because it's so common with all of us to either have a program of a particular pattern that we want to work on that we know we're identified with and suffering from or to start to experience something in the retreat and think, okay, you know, this is it. This is really important stuff, and it's going to be my what I'm going to work on now. It's out of control. It's just completely out of our control. What arises, when, how strong it is, how long it lasts. Um, and the, the real learning in this is can we just flow with, rest with, it just, just as it arises. And, and trust that really deep understanding and learning will come from it just as it is. Actually deeper than our idea of how we're going to get to the bottom of it and take it apart and hold on to it and how long it should last. Um, and it can be frustrating. 
You know, so just then, okay, frustration is what's happening in that moment. Does, does that make sense? No, it's not reflection. But when you're really present, okay, you notice that flicker of fear. You're really present with it, not trying to hold on to it, because actually the trying to hold on prevents a real settled presence of just seeing what it does. But when you're really present with it, you notice as it dissolves or flickers away, because you're present, you be present for whatever arises in the next moment. It's, it's not reflection really at all. And then similarly, as you notice fear arising as you're present with it, if you don't go off into it, you'll notice you'll be present for the moment before. You know, you'll get more, you'll notice, start to notice the pattern of what it arises from, for example. Yeah, it's not reflection. Good. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Uh, I showed the other day about movement and how excessive movement repeated movement can um, cause you to put energy in that area as opposed to going deeper. And um, my question is that um, I've basically been trying to stay straight and feeling the pressure of, of this this movement. And my problem is that um, I'm putting a lot of energy into just staying straight. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. That, is that a normal phase that like it's it's like training the body against what is become habituated to or um, is it um, <coughs> I'm not sure exactly right 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 questions about habitual movements and one thing I wanted to say about this because a lot of questions came up after Michelle said that the other day there is no one thing that's happening with habitual movement and there's no one right thing to do so what what we might say to one person is totally the opposite or completely different from what's going on with another person. And what's going on with the same person might be different things at different times. So I just want to put that out because there's a lot of different factors coming together, different things that can be happening with habitual movement and different ways to work with it. And a lot of it is really personal exploration when you try to stop the movement, well, then what happens? And that gives a feedback, a little more feedback for what's going on. And that might be completely different than what happens with somebody else. So um, in my experience, when there's movement going on and I put energy in to stop it, and I do that for some time, if it's that somehow I've been feeding it a little bit, the stopping takes a little energy, but it begins to happen a bit more naturally and that meditation can continue. If over some period of time, and I don't mean one sitting, like maybe like this has been a couple of days now, I, f- I feel that my whole energy is just going into keeping the movement from happening. And that's the focus of my attention and that's what my sitting is turning into, then I personally don't find that so helpful. And I would again allow the movements to happen, but exploring also where is the attention when the movement begins during the time the movement is happening. So in other words, I could spend my whole attention just feeling the movement all the time. And then I found that not so helpful after a while. I can bring the attention back very carefully to the breath, or I can bring my attention back to the fact that sometimes 
a movement is arising out of a subtle aversion or out of a subtle desire. There's no one thing. You see, then you can use it as an exploration of what, not, not reflecting, but very clear attention to what's happening in that moment. So from what you're saying, I would explore doing that again instead of just spending days holding yourself still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is the last question. Yeah. The question is, um, what's happened is uh, the mind, I, for the first time, it is actually seeing thought just as I mean, just absolutely out of nothing. Yeah, I know. Just just nothing before it, nothing after it, and just and then and then I realized that what it was happening was it was either a version that would make it go and become something, or a desire would make it go and become something else. But then now what's happening, and this is what's hooked now, is that my mind now wants that. Right? That experience. experience. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> just thinking about it. Right? <laughs> so, even my, even my mind is doing this great thesis on, on this event, mm-hmm. or it's, it's going, uh, stopping the thoughts because I, I, I see the intention of, I, I, I see it wanting to get into, oh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Good, that's what is helpful. I think when we're laughing about it, we're okay. Well, it says what what's at the root of your feeling stuck? What would you say? Is the, desire. Right. <laughs> right. Right. It's really when you see yourself flying off. Notice the tone of voice of the note, if you're judging it, if you're hating the thoughts, you know, and not trying to stop them. See if there's a version under there, but also then notice the desire. You know, if it's desire that's feeding the thoughts, that's exactly what's happening now. Just, just what you noticed. And it's gonna happen. Sometimes we have that oh, thought, just a thought. It's so freeing. It's like any experience we have that's so freeing. And immediately, I want that. This is great to see. This is how we create samsara. This is how this cycle of confusion and suffering goes on and on and on. We experience anything, you know, whether it's like a chocolate candy like Michelle was talking about, or a truly freeing experience of this is how it is. A thought is just a thought. And then when we're not, you know, seeing and understanding the process, this energy of desire, aversion, confusion arises and boom, solid. I want to have a thought that's just a thought. And we're caught. And we can do that with anything, anything, you know. So I'm not, I'm not making fun. It's really a very deep thing to see. It doesn't matter what the content is, but that, that movement of desire and somehow it tricks us to we think we've got to figure something out instead of just saying, oh, feel the desire, it hurts. But you can just feel it and be with it and it goes and, and you're free of it. Oh, it's it's time for interviews now.
Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. Buddham saranang chami, tamam saranang chami, sangang saranang chami. Buddham saranang chami, tamam saranang chami, sangang saranang chami. Dutiampi Buddham saranang chami, dutiampi damam saranang chami. Dutiampi sangang saranang gachami. Dutiampi buddham saranang gachami. Dutiampi damam saranang gachami. Tatiampi sangang saranang gachami. Tatiampi buddham saranang gachami. Tatiampi Panati pata hue ramani sika padam samadhyami. Panati pata hue ramani sika padam samadhyami. Adina dana hue ramani sika padam samadhyami. Abrahmacharya hue ramani sika padam samadhyami. Abrahmacharya hue ramani sika padam samadhyami. Sura Mereya Majapamadatana Hue Ramani Sikapadam Samadhyami Sura Mereya Majapamadatana Hue Ramani Pachayo Anchoring your attention by feeling the movement of the breath 
Noticing how closely you can <clears throat> bring the attention to the breath, this movement of the breath, without forcing the attention. to rest and relax and calm the attention by being very lightly with this movement. Seeing if you can synchronize your attention with a whole in-breath, an out-breath, a whole rising movement and falling movement. When you feel like the attention is calm, exploring what it is that we call breath. Noticing the changing sensations within the movement. learning to let these changing sensations come and go just as they are. If there's tightness or hardness, there's no need to change these sensations. 
They may be very, very soft and light vibrations or pressure. You might notice warmth or coolness. They might be very vague or very refined. If there's any forcing the attention to look more closely than you can, remembering to just be with the movement very lightly again to rest the attention and then exploring the changing sensations when the attention is calm and rested again. Whenever sounds or body sensations call the attention, exploring the quality of these sensations, exploring what it is that we call life, hearing my body Noticing what happens to these sensations when you notice them. Exploring emotions, exploring hindrances, with that same kind of non-interference as you would a sound or the breath. being as fully present with your moment-to-moment life, 
with your moment-to-moment experience without being lost in the ideas about it or thoughts about it. Do you have any questions about the walking practice or sitting practice? Helen? I hate it. I think that I usually say something like, say, ouch, 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 ouch. Or, you know, I I think it's basically finding a way that you can um, learn to match the energy of the aversion uh, with a a way of uh, noting it or labeling it that uh, matches the energy of it. Only, only if you're drowning in it. Okay, that's different. In the meta, it, right? That's different. In the meta, I think um, in the vipassana, I would do it a bit differently. Uh, yeah, I think that uh, basically when I was talking about that, it was I hate meta. <laughs> you know, I was just letting myself hate the meta. It's letting yourself. Um, be angry, basically, and uh, if you can, if you can be sitting there or walking and and just note anger, anger, and it works, great. If if there's more like anger, <laughs> anger, then I recommend uh, having a note that's that cuts the mustard, a little teeny whisper. Mm-hmm. 
Do you mean that it's coming up over and over again? Sometimes I use yeah. Well, sometimes I use the note. We hate everything. I mean, when aversion gets really big, you hate everything. It's just, it's just aversion. You know, I think it. I mean, when we take it personally, we think that something's wrong. You know, but it's just aversion, and it'll co- it'll color if it's strong, if it's extreme. You know, we'll we'll hate the sky. You know, we'll hate the sun. We'll hate the bell. You know, it's just a it's extreme aversion. And I think that there has to be some kind of humor with it at some point because uh, we take it so personally. It's it's just aversion. And what I'm hearing is that uh, there's an identification with this particular uh, tape. If we're identified with it, we hate it when it comes back. Uh, and it, but it's really simple. It's just aversion. Uh, if we have that idea that it's going to go away, it's not freedom. It's aversion to the aversion. For example, how many times have you listened to the sound of a bird? But we don't have that relationship with it that it should go away. You know, ten years from now, if you heard the sound of a bird, you wouldn't go, I thought I worked with that already. (laughs) I mean, that's just, I'm using that as an example because, but with aversion, we think somehow that we should be uh, fourth stage of enlightenment already, No, no aversion. But that's not where we are. Where we are is that there's a version that comes up. And the mindfulness is non-judgmental. It's just very clearly, it's not your aversion. It's just aversion. It's aversion to something unpleasant. The Buddha taught that the freedom comes from being able to understand that the suffering is that aversion to the unpleasantness. And then when we don't, have any awareness of that and we identify with it, there'll be aversion to the aversion. And, and if we let that go for a while, it'll be extreme aversion. I hate myself, I hate you, I hate everything. You know, that's, and there has to be some sort of moment where we go, that's okay, it's just extreme aversion. Well, it's in terms of identification in the Vipassana, it would be very clearly um, either one. I'm just using metaphors. It's a metaphor for one, any way that you can find to accept the aversion. What I'm hearing is a lot of aversion. So if I want to just let myself be angry, I'll say, ouch, or I'll say, I hate this, or I say, we hate everything. I just let, let that come out. Um, 
and there's a, there's that non-identification with it with it. If you're getting identified with, I hate this. I would say, ouch. Um, either it's 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 more um, really getting a sense that if it's bothering you, if the aversion's bothering you, you're identified with it. And any way that you can work with getting some space with that. Ouch is a little better because ouch doesn't have any eye in it. It's just ouch is acknowledging that it's unpleasant. Uh, so, so for you, it's finding a way for you to find a way of not identifying with it, but letting it be there. And it's really important to keep it simple because our suffering is simple. Um, but it's very hard, it's very hard to accept aversion because we identify with it. But really try to get that sense of how different we relate to bird, the sound of a bird, because that's where you'll start to get a sense of letting go of the identification. You might put just, it's just aversion in front of it when you're saying it, or I just hate you. <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's letting it be okay. It's that anger's okay. It's just anger. process of it, I would see when you notice the tightening around the eyes, if you notice that movement with the eyes, to bring the attention up to the eyes and just stay there for a while. Notice what's happening. And then see if you can be with the attention with the eyes and sort of drop down with your attention without using your eyes. This is, it's an art. You know, most of us, when we're beginning to practice, and for many years, we follow a lot. Of, we follow the sensations with our eyes. And there's a, when you start becoming aware of it, it's again not to judge it. It's to bring your attention back to the eyes. Just stay there for a while, and then see if you can drop with the attention without them. And then you'll notice it happening again. And then. Um, do that same thing over and over again. If it starts to be that, you know, it's getting too tight uh, and you've moved to the point, the headache comes from forcing. And uh, I I would actually bring my attention up and use a, a touch point in the head area so it wouldn't be too much strain. You know, maybe be with the lips touching or the shoulders so that you don't have to go so far away because that will, that will bring more tightness. It's, it's a kind of um, learning how to bring the attention bring the attention away from the eyes, but it's kind of like 
separating, separating from feeling sensation, from actually looking with the eyes. So it's, it's, it's like you might bring your attention from the eyes. Just stay there. Feel the, feel the sensations. Experience the sensations in the eyes. And then maybe drop down to the lips touching. And see if you can distinguish between looking for the sensation with the eye and actually f- experiencing the sensations without the eyes. Just keep practicing the, dis- the, the difference. And it will take some time. And be careful of judging it because you'll find you're, you're noticing sensations and all of a sudden, oh no, I'm doing it again. And there'll be that tightening. Just sort of relax, you know, go back to the eye. And just sort of treat that as your practice at that point, that it's part of the meditation. If you talked with most people, they would be going, yeah, that's, that's been happening for me too. as much as we can is learning to be in the present moment. So we might notice a memory. That's a thought. Um, there might be an unpleasantness to the memory. There might be, a, the, in the content, there was something unpleasant and we had aversion to it. And in the, in the, in the moment of remembering, that aversion might resurface, but it's resurfacing in the present moment. It's just going, Vipassana is just process, it's just going with the present moment as much as you can. In that moment, you get a chance to re-experience that aversion with some understanding, with the understanding that it was very simply something unpleasant that we had aversion to, maybe when we were two years old. It could be something that far back and it, it, when we were two years old in that present moment we weren't able to open to the unpleasantness so there was aversion so here we get another chance <coughs> to notice that pattern uh, so um, in that way I would keep it simple again where it's, it's just learning how to experience the aversion 
without thinking about it because we can't let it go until we can experience it. Great. I had um, something to announce and then we have to stop. Uh, There's some people that are very are highly allergic to Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.